Network, the focus of our conversation will be nonprofit organizations and their social impact. Joining us in our conversation is Poonam Rahman, who is the founder and CEO of two international nonprofit organizations, Virtue Mental and Shattering Bias and Steam, both designed to provide free resources to historically marginalized communities. And without further ado, I'm very happy to introduce our guest for today. Hi, Poonam, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So honored to be here. So before we dive into our central topic for today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself as well as some of the driving goals behind your two organizations, Virtue Mental and Shattering Bias and Steam? Yes, of course. So um, my name is Poonam Rahman, as you just mentioned. Um, I'm currently a senior at Roosevelt University, where I'm studying psychology, neuroscience, and management. And on top of that, I'm also the founder and CEO of two international nonprofit organizations called Virtue Mental and Shattering Biases Team. So the first nonprofit that I founded is um, is Virtue Mental, and the mission behind that is to pro- is to provide free mental health resources to historically marginalized communities around the world so we do a lot of like psychoeducation sessions uh, group therapy sessions one-on-one therapy and just um, just like pretty much everything in between and the second nonprofit that I founded is called Sharon bias in steam and the mission behind that is to provide free academic and professional support to undergrad women or women and also women that are looking to pursue a career within the field of stem but also to provide resources to postgrad women who are kind of navigating that transition in their lives so busy busy bee. <laughs> yeah so so much no I I was gonna ask so how you know, you kind of talked a little bit about like how the idea came about, but were these ideas that something that you had thought about for a very, very long time? Or is it something that just sort of happened naturally very recently and you just felt like this is something that is necessary and and something to do? Like, how did this idea come um, for these two organizations? Yeah, I think it's kind of like a mix of both in a sense, because I think like... For Virtue Mental, for example, the idea kind of came from like my own experiences with mental health as a South Asian woman growing up. For example, when I was like growing up, I underwent a lot of uh, bullying and a lot of just kind of like a lot of braiding from my classmates because I was kind of the only brown person in my school. So that obviously had a huge toll on my mental health as a young child growing up. And um, and I just kind of realized like as I was growing up, I kind of realized like there wasn't that much representation when it comes to mental health within the South Asian community and there weren't a lot of folks that kind of looked like me and that kind of had a similar upbringing as me that could relate to um, relate to the experiences that I underwent and so I think um, both of the ideas for the nonprofits kind of came from like my own experiences with um, the lack of representation that I observed um, but then also like within the field of STEM like there weren't a lot of like South Asian women that are going into all these uh, rigorous careers I think through the lack of representation that I observed and also just um, the ex- personal experiences that I had growing up, this is kind of what motivated me to create these initiatives. 
That's awesome that you were able to translate your experiences and you found there was a need for these types of things into action and creating these nonprofits. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely agree with you. Representation, especially in like mental health space is very lacking because our community doesn't really talk about it. So it's really important, like you said, to educate people and kind of continuing on. You you said you were a student as well. um, And so you're, you're, you're a student, you run two nonprofits, and yes, like you said, you're very busy. Um, what drew you to focus in on social justice work or nonprofit work yeah. as a student and like start now? Yeah, of course. So I think ever since I was younger, like I was someone that always tried to take initiative. So when I was in high school, like I started an interfaith club that kind of like focused on building unity in the school. And I I just was someone that always like took initiative in a sense. So um, I could, I was just like, you know, I can't wait any longer. If I have an issue, like if I observe an issue and I feel like there's something lacking in the world, then no matter like how old I am or no matter how young I am, I'm still going to move forward and take that initiative I'm always trying to like implement my skills to help the world so all these things kind of mesh together and it motivated me to start these initiatives at such a young age that's awesome and I guess kind of going off that a little bit um can you like because you you know you said yeah that you're you know, you're a young entrepreneur you're starting off and you've already like built so much in such a short period of time and mm-hmm. while also balancing school life and all that stuff can you talk us a little about how Like, what are some of the first steps you took in developing these organizations, like a more logistical sort of standpoint? Was there, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people that you had to reach out to specifically? Like, how did you build your 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 organizations as they are now? Yeah, I think the first um, the first step that I took is to finding um, is to like find a reliable board of directors. And um, I think something that I kind of learned the hard way is like, don't like work with your friends or people that you know or like close colleagues because like um like when I was starting off like virtue mental I, I didn't really do this for Sharon Bias and Steam because I kind of learned my lesson at that point but um I think it's just like finding someone that like or finding like a group of people that you don't really know that well because like you, you don't feel inclined inclined to like just talk for hours and hours on end so just finding a reliable board of directors who kind of share your mission and share your um just like share your overall goal for the nonprofit is just is just um, one of the first steps that i took to starting um virtue mental and sharing bias team but also like the one of the first steps I also took is to like develop a strong like mission statement that kind of like differentiates yourself from like other nonprofits because if you like Google like mental health nonprofits like there are just thousands out there and it's really important that you're able to kind of like um, differentiate yourself from like other nonprofits in regards to like what demographic you're serving and what kind of services you services you're providing and um, everything along those lines and I think the um, the other step that I kind of took when I was starting off um, both of my, both of my initiatives is starting a social media page so that means so that can kind of look like uh, instagram uh, linkedin and even tiktok since that's kind of the new thing around here so um that way you can kind of have like some credibility and people know um know where to reach out to and if they have like any questions or concerns i think it's super important to have that business mindset like you said when developing a nonprofit, because at the end of the day while you're not a for-profit organization you still need to think like that to be able to build or grow your your mission right so those are really great advice i think or key takeaways um when you're starting out a nonprofit. but in continuation of that while nonprofits push for 
inclusiveness and drive their mission towards that, how can you, I guess, how can organizations create more of an inclusive work environment to help drive those mission statements for organizations? Yeah, I think one thing that we kind of started to like, or we kind of like implemented within our nonprofits is like having like diverse people from like several parts of the world. And I was just mentioning this before our call, like um, we have like so many people like in our organization that are just like, that are just like located in different countries like we have never even met them before and so I think just having like um like having a diverse group of people that are so that can kind of bring like more um just like different ideas and different skills to the table is something that is one step that I took in order to kind of create a more like inclusive um inclusive work environment because I think at the end of the day like it doesn't matter like you know where someone is from or um where they're located I think what matters the most is like what kind of skills we can offer them to like further their uh, professional and academic goals and what kind of skills they can offer us to further our nonprofit goals as well. So I think that's one, um, that's the step that we kind of took to create a more inclusive work environment. That's amazing. And I think that's super important, especially that, um, that the, the thing you said about, you know, how you're all of your, you're all of your, all of the people working on this on this nonprofit are kind of like everywhere in, around the world. Mm-hmm. And I think just because of the pandemic and all this stuff, like everything, it feels more connected, right? So I think mm-hmm. that's really cool that you have found diverse, or found, uh, used that as a tool to create diversity within your company. And I think that's really cool and really exciting that that was able to happen after out of such you know dire circumstances but mm. um i think i think there there is a it's a there, there's a good thing there and I'm, I'm really excited to see that um i guess kind of going into what what are some like hurdles that you've had to cross in developing your nonprofit organizations you know both logistically and also maybe mentally like for yourself you know getting over some hurdles of just pushing through and getting it done and that kind of stuff yeah, so like logistically speaking, kind of to like piggyback off of what you just mentioned, um, I think like the whole like time zone situation is kind of like a hurdle that we had to develop because sometimes like I would find myself having meetings at like 3 a.m. or like 12 a.m. So like really, really um, early in the morning or late at night. So I think that's one of the hurdles that we had to face like logistically, but also like um, like the time zones and also like the language barriers because not everyone obviously speaks English as Um, or is fluent in English in a sense but I think for like mentally some of the hurdles that I had to overcome is um, I'm a very like introverted and like reserved person so like um, I think the work that I do is you're kind of like required to like talk to so many people and kind of like you know be a bit more like outgoing in a sense so I I think I had to like kind of go out of my comfort zone in in a sense and kind of like be a more um just be a be a bit more like assertive if that makes sense you know um and also like um another mental hurdle that I had to face is like the work-life balance in a way because like I feel like when you work in like a business or when you're an entrepreneur when you're in the nonprofit field there isn't any sense of like like you don't really clock in for a job like a nine to five and like you have set amount of hours so it's really easy for you to get caught up in like oh this is like what I'll be doing for like you know this time from this time so I think just um just like having that work-life balance and just being able to like balance all the other commitments that I have to I have to kind of fulfill in my everyday life so those are it's been a rough journey through (laughs) creating both of the nonprofits, but I'm I'm happy that it's at least helping um, some people in this world. 
That's really cool. And I, I think that's um, a good point that you bring. I think a lot of people who, I mean, you know, like, I think that's, that's a huge hurdle that a lot of people have ha- had to face, I think, when, af- especially after coming out of college, out of, like, this very, like, education sort of sense, and then moving into a career, that work-life balance is so hard to find. And there is definitely a learning curve. And, and um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. But, you know, I uh, you kind of mentioned, I guess, like, how how like diversity affects your company specifically. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, nonprofit organizations across the board? Where do you see the South Asian representation in the nonprofit space? Um, and how would you want to change the represent- representation in this area? I think from my personal experiences, like I haven't really seen a lot of South Asians who are kind of in the nonprofit field because um and I think one of the things I wanted to kind of change is like the stigma around like nonprofits because like yes, like you don't get um like you don't get like um funding and or you don't get like um any compensation from working in the nonprofit field, but at least like you're helping people and like you're kind of fulfilling this integral mission or integral purpose in your life. So I think that's um so unfortunately like I haven't really seen that many nonprofits who are um or any a lot of South Asians who are kind of in the nonprofit field, but that's something that I would like to kind of change the narrative on. It's just the stigma around nonprofits. Why why do you think that stigma exists? Do you do you think that that stigma exists is that something that like is internally being kind of like I guess, um, was it transferred between us and the community? Like, what, where, where do you think that stigma comes from? I think from like personal experiences, like, um, I'm not, I, I can't really say for like everyone else, but like, from like personally speaking, like when I was starting, when I first started like Virtue Mental, for example, like my parents were like, oh, what's the point of starting it? Because if you're not getting paid and you're not like, you know, like you're not really getting any monetary, like, benefits out of it so I think it's just like the stigma around like oh like you're not getting or like the you know just be our parents kind of saying like oh like in order for you to like do something in your life like you have to like get something out of it in a sense so I think that's kind of like for me personally like that's kind of what um what I've experienced when I was starting Virtue Mental and Sharing Bias in Steam is something that is it's just the things that our parents kind of passed down to us. How did you, I guess, navigate through those conversations with your parents? Because um, they are they are right in a sense. I understand where they're coming from, where they want what's best for you, and they want you to be successful in kind of what is deemed in this like world of like having a good paying job and being able to live comfortably. Um, but how did you kind of navigate the conversation to them to have them understand that you want to balance like doing work. Um, more selflessly um, and provide for others more than looking at like that monetary compensation that your parents are looking to have for you that um, and want you to be happy and living comfortably. Yeah, I think um, I think it's kind of like I I feel like it was a bit difficult to have this conversation because I feel like brown parents. I don't know if about you guys and the listeners like they're very like they're very like adamant about like their decisions like oh like if you have to do this and like you know you can't change my mind about this but I think over time and over the couple months I've been like working on Virtue Mental and of course I'm sharing bias in Steam as well like they've seen like how much um, just how much effort that I've put in on all the results that we have received as well or all the results we have attained as well like all the um, people that have been reaching out oh and um, 
and like providing all these amazing like testimonials so when they were actually able to see the results and the effort that I put in within the nonprofit, that's when they were kind of able to like um they were kind of able to have like other opinions in a sense not like the negative opinions so I think like mm-hmm. if anyone is kind of looking to um have these conversations with their parents like it's really important that like if they're not really like um, in a sense, like they don't really like, um, they're unsure of your decisions. It's really important that you kind of show them like, oh, you know, this is something that like I'm actually passionate about. And this is the work that I put in. And these are the results I received as well, because um, results are kind of like everything. Right. And I think like what you, what you mentioned of the work, like telling them the work that you put in for the results that you've made is also super important. Because a lot of times people think the results like are easy to come uh, come by if you are like just telling hey I did this or hey I achieved this so explaining how much effort you put into it I agree with you is a great way of navigating those conversations I think it's also I was gonna say I think it's also like um like I I think there's like a um like people people in our community especially in within like our um I guess generation or whatever not the parent generation but our generation I think we also have the tendency to just not want to share things with them just on a on a kind of like a switch like oh I can't I can't tell them that I can't like I feel like we're kind of like we know what we can tell and we know what we can't tell (laughs) we just kind of stick and until you like until you get older and you start like treading the line a little bit it just kind of stays like that (laughs) um but yeah I think it's very important to like definitely like I guess to to open up to those conversations and start being like hey let me show you what I'm doing yeah it's very difficult to do because they're just very like they're very stern on like one thing and they don't want to right. change their opinion. So it's kind of, it's a difficult, it's difficult out here. It's a rough out yeah. here. Yeah. Um, I guess switching gears a little bit. Um, wh- so you talked, so we kind of walked through like, I guess the process of developing a nonprofit organization very loosely. You have your organizations. How do you then, you know, move towards scaling or increasing your reach? What are some tactical like business kind of ventures can you take in order to scale or increase a business or a nonprofit? Yeah, I think one technique that we we actually use to like um, scale Virtue Mental and Sharon Bias and Steam is building collaborations with other nonprofits. And it doesn't have to be like mental health nonprofits or STEM nonprofits. It can just be any nonprofit because uh, one thing that I kind of learned and um, I think I uh, before that, like I was kind of skeptical to like enter the nonprofit world. The nonprofit world is very like open, and they're very like willing to like collaborate and help you in any way, um, shape or shape or form. Because like before, like I started like everything else, like I was very like. Um, I was just thinking like, oh, like I'm such a shy person. Like maybe people are not going to like me and other nonprofit leaders are probably going to like take advantage of my kindness and my shyness. But um, people are willing to collaborate with you in any way, shape or form. So you just have to kind of take that. Um, you just have to kind of extend that olive branch to um, to collaborate with them. So I think like one thing that we kind of did is to like um, reach out to all these nonprofits to build collaborations. And that way you can kind of like promote the work that they're doing, but they can also promote the work that you're doing so it's kind of like a um it's kind of like a reciprocate uh, you're kind of reciprocating your efforts in a sense so that's one that's actually one step that we took in order to kind of scale um 
our nonprofits. And I think the second thing that we did is since we kind of live in a very, um, very digital era in a sense like everything is kind of like uh, revolving around social media we tried to kind of build a stronger like social media presence so that means like posting consistently on our um, social media even like creating tiktok videos and um kind of extending out to like LinkedIn and Facebook for like the older audiences, older and other um, types of audiences and um, demographics as well. So I think um, just like leveraging social media to your advantage, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I guess moving into more like non your nonprofit specific questions, Shattering Bias and Steam focuses on uplifting women in the workplace. In your opinion, what are some ways that women in the office can support one another? And alternatively, and this is this is the, you know more interesting kind of take on this. Um, in some, what are some ways in which male coworkers can work to uplift and support women in the workplace? Um, I think for first and foremost for females, um, I feel like there's a lot of like competitive culture when it comes to like uh, working with another female counter uh, counterpart. So I think um, for females, it's really important that we kind of like we kind of emphasize collaboration over competition, if that makes sense. And also like confidence as well, like making sure that um, just like instilling um, confidence in other women and make just kind of trying to uplift uplift them as well. So and um, to counter that for like males, I feel like it's really important for males just to like listen, if that makes sense. Just just like, you know, simply listening because um, like I also used to work in a male-dominated workplace and I would always find myself in like awkward situations where like my male um, colleagues and my uh, counterparts they would just like cut me off in mid-sentence and they would never like let me express my ideas and thoughts so I think it's just really important that they just simply listen and take the female um, colleagues ideas into into consideration as well so it's not that um, hard to do but people always like to um, overcomplicate things. That's true. Um, and you brought up really good points within the women at the workplace. Like as an, as an engineer, I, I definitely I can relate to you being one of the few females in a room. And I think, like you said, that collaboration uh, over competition, we, Sneha and I have kind of talked about this in our Queen Bee Syndrome, but like that definitely goes hand in hand with instilling confidence because sometimes that does, competition does instigate like that imposter syndrome that you see or that lack of confidence. So you're right, like we should in parallel nurturing both types of mindsets and like you said having an ally that's able to listen to you is so powerful and in terms of your second nonprofit, virtue mental i think it's really it's you're in a unique position where you're a founder so you're able to dictate the mission and drive of your nonprofit, but you're also studying psychology so you're kind of aware of what needs to be done on that perspective in terms of addressing mental health concerns. So I guess in your opinion as a founder, but also someone who is studying psychology, um, what makes your organization unique? Like having going down the path of educating people about mental health. Um, so is, how is that unique from the other mental health services that are kind of provided in this space? Yeah, so I think what kind of differentiates ourselves for like other mental health nonprofits is kind of like the fact that we're very like education centered because we, we kind of feel like education is like the foundation to everything. And um, we're all about like eradicating mental health stigma and all these like uh, misconceptions when it comes to like mental seeking out mental health help and professional help. So um, we kind of try to do like informational workshops that kind of uh, relate to like 
all these different mental health conditions and um, ways that you can have like um, conversations surrounding mental health with your loved ones who are of immigrant backgrounds and they might not really like understand like what mental health is and not really understand the importance behind it. So I, I think one thing that kind of differentiates ourselves is kind of the um, like the education portion of it because we we as I mentioned before like we feel like education is like the foundation to um, to eradicate stigma and um, I, I feel like we're um, through our services we kind of try to like um, implement that. So um, we're getting towards the end of the episode. So kind of just our last few remaining questions to wrap up the segment. Coming from your perspective again um, and your experiences that you've had throughout your um, journey of pursuing your passions, what are some ways in which you people can contribute to and support their local nonprofits beyond just um, volunteering or taking part in the nonprofit organization? How can people like, use like maybe even this is a small amount of their time to help those who need like those in nonprofits that need that type of support of course so i think um i know it might sound cliche but simply like sharing the word about um nonprofits and just as i mentioned before we live in a digital era so just simply like resharing a post or like even liking a post can kind of help with the al- help with like the algorithm as well so just um like using social media to your advantage to help your local nonprofits but also like even making a small donation like it doesn't have to be like you know, a grand donation, like of a thousand dollars or something like that. But it can even just be like a dollar or like just a couple dollars. And I can assure you that it, it will go a long way. So just um, sharing the word and reposting content from um, from like your local nonprofits, but also like um, contributing a small donation is will like I can totally assure you that um, your efforts will go a long way, even if you um, even if it doesn't seem like it at first. Um, what advice would you give to listeners who are thinking about pursuing a career in social justice or nonprofit work? Um, and and where do you think they should start in this endeavor? Yeah, I think um, one piece of advice I could kind of provide, and I kind of learned this the, the hard way as well, um, is, is to kind of like set boundaries and also like taking breaks as well. Because, um, you know, obviously like you're not, you know, getting compensated and, you um, and you know you're kind of like in this difficult position so it's really important that and one thing that i kind of noticed in the nonprofit world is that the, even though there's so many great people that you'll be working with there are also some people that will try to infringe on your boundaries and try to you know make you feel a certain way so it's really important that you take that initiative and set these personal boundaries um to you know make yourself feel like a human <laughs> if the, because that's the most important part and um as i mentioned before like it's really important that you take breaks and uh, prioritize your mental mental and physical well-being first and foremost because at the end of the day you can't pour from an empty cup so um i think one step that you can also take to like start a nonprofit is like finding a friend or a colleague or a mentor who's been through this process before so that they're, they're able to like instill some knowledge and wisdom um throughout your journey so i had i actually had a friend that started a nonprofit, and i was able to like ask her questions about like oh you know what are the legality when legalities when it comes to like starting a nonprofit? because there's all these um pay, all these like you know 
all this like paperwork you have to fill out like the EIN number and the NFP number and all these like different things that you have to do so um I I, I don't even know what any of these things mean but but it's like you have to like do all these things so like um it's really important that um you find a mentor or a colleague to um to kind of help you along that journey and you can even like just hit up someone on LinkedIn or Instagram and I can I can almost assure you that they'll be willing to help you in any way possible. That's really good advice. And that with that, yeah. I will conclude this episode. Um, thank you, Poonam, for coming onto the show to talk about the importance of nonprofit organizations. For our listeners, if you would like to support either Virtue Mental and or Shattering Bias Steam, we will have the website links in the episode description. Uh, thank you so much, Poonam. Very happy Thanks. to have you on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here today. So before you kind of leave us today, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Revy Ray Audio. You might have heard that our intro and outro music is a little bit different this season and is definitely upgraded to a next level. That's all thanks to Revy Ray, who was our last guest in season two. and He agreed to help us out with our music for season three. So thank you so much, Revy Ray, for all your help. And if you guys want to get in contact with him to collaborate with any projects or work with Revy Ray Audio, we are linking his information to the episode description so you can reach out to him or see all the other projects he's done. And thanks again, Revy, and we'll see you guys all in the next one.